Welcome to another episode of Kiss My Mic. This is a special podcast episode in celebration of Filipino Heritage Month. And today, I am joined by Film Director Randall Camret and actor Jake Macapagal from the Monsters Without Movie, which is an official selection of the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival and is set to make its world premiere on October 1st alongside other films such as the fabulous Filipino Brothers in Lumpia with a Vengeance. Wow, that is amazing. Congrats to both of you. Thanks, Randall and Jake, for joining today and welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Awesome. All right. Sounds good. So I guess we can dive in if that's okay with you and we can start talking about the monsters without. So Randall, I'm just going to start with you. So maybe if you could share a little bit of background in terms of how the movie idea came about and what was that journey like for the movie when you created it? Well, the way it started really is uh, I was in the Philippines and I was staying there sort of long term for a little while with my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, Malou. And uh, this was after filming my first my first feature in Philippines. Um, and I was sort of just hanging around, just trying to sort of live in Philippines and just trying to become a little bit more uh, knowledgeable about the culture and just sort of live there. And it eventually came to me that... Uh, well, I was starting to hear about the mythologies, uh, the things about the Aswang and the Capre and the various creatures. And eventually I started to realize, hey, this is this is gold. This is a really good idea. This is a really good concept to build a film out of. And I had a lot of time there. I was actually, I was there when the hurricane hit Tacloban and we were relatively close by. And so our area wound up with no electricity for a long, long time, no internet, and with lots of all sorts of infrastructure problems and traffic and this and that. So I was there for a long time with basically nothing to do but think and write. And so gradually, I started to piece together this script for you know a story about this team of people and their doings with, uh, with monsters. And it sort of began in that way, and it sort of blossomed out from there. Yeah, that was a really productive time, Randall, right? To be able to come up with a script, looking at turning the tragic scenario, the tragedy of hurricane and using it in a positive and productive way. So that was a really good uh, story in terms of how it came about. So Jake, what about you? You were in several other movies, including Metro Manila, which received a lot of accolades. So what drew you to the project and how did you first come about with the project? Well, I'm very thankful for the film Metro Manila. I think uh, it uh, in 2013, when we won the uh, Audience Award at Sundance, it paved a lot of ways in terms of we were under the radar. So somehow the Filipino community in America as well were, you know, sort of like heard about the film. And uh, one of those years, Randall just shot me an email and I'm very engaging in terms of when people come to me and they try to communicate and try to congratulate me. But aside from those things, I mean, earnest people, real people just trying to get in touch and probably finding a way how we can collaborate. And Randall just shot me an email and we had this long distance relationship for two years. When you experience something like that in that arena, you you sort of want to gauge what is your next step? And, you know, probably I had no idea what I was sort of like in the clouds during that time. And I, I thought that uh, probably 
I would give a chance to to Randall, and he's he's very he's relentless in getting in touch and really developing that relationship. I mean, Randall has become one of my my good friends in in the industry. And when I go to the states, I see him. And then when I when I was based in Texas for about a year, he came to visit to do some ADR work. So I'm just very happy that I got in touch because when I read the script, it was I said, "How are we going to do this?" You know, because the shooting will be it's not going to be in Metro Manila. It will be in Leyte, which is which is in the southern part of the Philippines. And we will be sort of like in a lockdown, lockdown in, on an island with people I don't know. But uh, during the course of the years that we were throwing emails, coming back and forth, I, I've, you know, this guy is just very creative in uh, presenting his ideas and, and really very passionate about, about filmmaking. That's beautiful. I mean, it's really the creativity brings people together, and it looks like that's what happened in your case with with Randall. So, Randall, just a quick question on the script: When you were writing the script, did you think of Jake in mind? And then the second question is: How did you go through the casting process as well for the other roles as well for your film? Oh yeah, definitely. Once once the part of uh, Ramel, who Jake plays, sort of started to solidify on the page. Of course, I had seen Jake and Metro Manila, which was at that time on Netflix and was very, very visible. And watching that movie, I remember me and uh, Malou, my wife, sort of watching it and thinking like, oh, if only we could get that guy, you know, like if only. And so sort of on a lark, I as as Jake told it, I tracked him down and I sent him an email, you know, thinking like, well, this will, you know, into the void, this goes. But uh, he he messaged me back. And so that was, you know, that was wonderful. So yes, it, it was very much, you know, Jake was, uh, got involved really, really early. And, you know, even though he, like he said, it took sort of two years for that for this to really happen, you know, throughout, I was kind of thinking like, yeah, I think, I think he'll do it. I'll just keep writing for him. And uh, so that's, that's where that went. And then for the other parts, I really don't kind of like to sort of audition people too much. So I really kind of try and write to people who I either have a relationship with who I've worked with before, or who I've seen in something else. So for example, Setsuko is played by Christina, uh, Yun, who uh, I had seen in a film festival in like a very small short film before, but like I remembered her and I remembered her look and I remembered that she was able to perform a certain scene in a very specific manner. And I just thought, okay, well, if I can get that person, that that will fit, that will be great. Uh, you know, I, I really think that just looking at somebody's work, you pretty much you know, you 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 see that you can probably get it to get it to work. So I try to avoid auditioning in in any uh, way I can because I feel like sometimes people are better at auditioning than they are at actually doing the thing. So I kind of like to look at look at the finished movies that people make to make those decisions. Yeah, that's a good approach. I mean, especially within the indie space, right, where you can really build relationships and make that personal connections and managing the process that way in, in, in sort of a personal approach. So Jake, question for you. So as you were filming now, what were some of the biggest surprises for you, like either working with Randall or just with the project itself? Oh yeah, it's very memorable, Mike, because 2017 was a... Uh... It's a very memorable year. When I went to Biliran, I knew I could set my mind into the setting of 
of of the whole feeling or countenance of the of the or the spirit of the show because uh, there are no other distractions i mean we were in a small island biliran is not easy to get to the village was i think commerce wise you can see that a lot of the buildings the new developments in 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 the island on the island are money from the people who were working abroad like the OFWs and they have built a whole community there so coming into it randall uh, a lot of the cast members were were distributed in in the village itself and uh in in one of the motels i i was there and i felt my own i had my own space and once we got into rolling everybody was professional everybody was the crew the american crew and the filipino crew and the mom of randall lucy i must say they have this entourage of people behind the whole village is just helping to get the movie going so in the morning when we wake up i have my coffee and you have the a feast of breakfast provided by the mothers of biliran and it's something that you know when you think about independent filmmaking this is independent filmmaking 101a uh you know <laughs> you know you get people your resources from where what you have and and get them going to build something and and um one of those things that you you will you will really remember that because uh sometimes you dream of like doing hollywood films that has to be a certain way and then you your expectations are bigger and and you 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 just frustrate yourself and then now that we've come into this pandemic i just realized what well, wow what what a gift and blessing to be able to do that with a community with a supportive community and a very creative atmosphere that they provided Yeah, that's great to hear about the community aspect as well. It, it looks like you're able to really get engaged with the community through the film. So, I do have a follow-up question for you, Jake, because you talked about the Philippine crew. So, what is the message that you're trying to convey through the film, and why is it important to share that story? Oh well, first of all, I have a whole theory that, of course, you know, being a movie. It's got to have a message that is sort of more complex than something that I could easily sort of say in an interview or in a thing. So of course there's there's layers upon layers that I'm trying to build to into it. But in the end, the film is very much about community. It's about teamwork. And it's about this team of people and some of them are humans and it's revealed one of them is in fact a monster and it it shows that sort of together they can achieve these amazing things but then it's sort of compared and contrasted with this larger sort of corporate group that they're a part of and then these two species the humans and then the monsters and how sort of the larger this the the group becomes sort of the more corrupted and difficult it is to get anything done and then in these smaller sort of family uh like units they're able to uh, achieve these extraordinary things and so it's contrasting all these you know what level of community is able to get things done the best what is a family how does a family fit into a community how does that fit into a larger race how does that fit into a species and those are all the the themes that are sort of boiling about within the monsters without 
Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's it's great to hear about the underlying themes behind the film, you know, the message about family, community, and teamwork. So, Jake, going back to you now. So you talked about Philippine crew and American crew, and you've also have international experience through your music career, right, with, with Miss Saigon. So maybe if you can share a little bit of your thoughts in terms of the distinction between working in Philippine kind of cinema or Philippine industry, versus working on this film, which is very much Hollywood-focused and also internationally. What are some of those things? Could be both positive and things for consideration as well for Filipino movies. It's hard to compare, but I feel that I've lived here all my life and I've joined the independent industry in the Philippines since 2007. In the beginning, 2007, when indie was not really a buzzword, People just diverted into independent cinema because they feel that the mainstream cinema will not ever give them the opportunity or filmmakers will not be able to have the big opportunities that mainstream directors or filmmakers uh, experience. So I did experience wonderful times with, you know, when I was just doing thesis films for, for students. And again, we were working with a skeleton crew and they're very passionate and very creative. And uh, eventually I was able to create my actors real and became more confident in cinema. So I can't really say that although I had experience theatrically how it is in productions in in Germany and the UK, you follow a franchise, so it's very structured. Like, for example, if you create, if you are cast in a Disney musical, it's structured in a way that every movement and every choice for the actor is created, has been created for you. So you just have to follow the the guidelines. There's no development or exploration because it's been done before by somebody. So you need to be able to fit in that, uh, that form. While independent filmmaking or... I guess you have more op- opportunities to develop a character when it's original, which is which happens to me in the Philippines because the character is off-based of you or you are free to explore with the director or with the creative team how your character chooses his choices or, or chooses his, his character. So it's a matter of, of course, in, in, in the West, they have a lot of budget for that and HBO does the same thing but when it's from the Philippines there's more leeway or space to create something that is original from you without fitting into the to that mold of somebody else's yeah no absolutely thank you for actually entertaining that question I tried to ask some uh, difficult questions no, no. I mean, it's very interesting because uh, it's it's good to have this, these conversations because each product production uh, brings something very unique uh, because of the aim of the or the message or the spirit of the of the production, and whether it be international or local, it brings some sort of uh, unique flavor. And I've learned. I think what we've learned now is that. Every opportunity of a production that's being gifted to you is really something to marvel about. I mean, honestly, there are so many people who are waiting for big opportunities or small wins in each day that we have now. So 
I think now is the time to just realize that it is whatever production that is being laid or being gifted to you is something to celebrate because you have this chance to do something and share something and you have this chance to tell a story, which is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Randall, is there anything you wanted to chime into that with regard to maybe some observations or comparisons between the filmmaking process in the Philippines versus here in the U.S., given your experiences in both? Well, for me, I basically have a really hard time sort of imagining getting much at all done in anywhere besides the Philippines. For me, in the Philippines, uh, in the sort of production situation that I've sort of gotten going and set up, it's it's the only way for me to function. It's the only way to have the freedoms and the access to locations and actors and so on that I'm able to get. Because in, in Biliron, as Jake said, people were enthusiastic. The locals were enthusiastic. The people who live there sort of want the movie to happen. And there's all kinds of things you can do with that. Whereas here in America, at least, you know, in sort of the LA general area, as soon as you set down a camera, people are asking like, hey, is there a permit? And uh, how much can you pay us to not use our leaf blower and all of those things? I, I really find it very stifling to be here and do anything. In fact, my the short film that I just did with Georgina Tolentino, uh, that's also playing at the festival, that one is all shot on a studio stage, because at least, you know, that gives you the same sort of amount of control. And in the Philippines, even though it's sort of chaotic and the weather is completely unpredictable and all those things, you can feel free with your solutions and you can feel you you have access to all sorts of things. And for me, that's a lot more uh, useful. And I've never been one for uh, sort of luxuries on set. I've never had them. And so I don't miss them. When I'm in the Philippines, I don't worry about the fact that there's no trailers or anything, nowhere to relax. It's fun to be sort of running around and very tired by the end of the day. I like that. It's, it, should be, it becomes a sport. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can enjoy afterwards too, right? With uh, what the Philippines can offer in, in other ways. So the location, karaoke and all the food. So but that's good. That's actually a good perspective in terms of kind of the rules that we have here, right? That makes it a little bit more stringent that you have to follow so many protocols that have an impact of budget as well. So I'm going to switch into some different set of questions. So the movie is set to premiere pretty soon in October as part of the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, alongside other movies like Fabulous Filipino Brothers and Lumpia with a Vengeance, which I think, Randall, you are a producer on, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I, I worked on the film. I contributed quite a bit of visual effects on it. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm kind of happy to to have that as, there as well and have my fingers in many pies. I, I have my name on three different films at the festival, which is nice. And they're all on the same day. We have to make mention that this is, I was kidding Randall because it's the Randall Film Festival. He has three, three films as an entry, so it's very exciting for him all at the same day on October 1. So he had, you know, he was, were you the editor in Lumpia with a Vengeance? Or, or visual effects. And then uh, he directed uh, the film of Georgina Tolentino, No Dogs. Georgina is a friend of mine, a very talented actress in LA and a very hardworking woman as well. And then The Monsters Without. I mean, all is rolling in one day. <laughs> yeah. 
it's sort of funny it it sort of comes after you know the pandemic happens so for many of us it's like a drought of anything interesting happening and then like all of a sudden this all piled on very unexpectedly yeah and then more to come and that's really my wish for both of you but congratulations to both of you so i guess my question is what does that mean to to both of you you know having your film be showcased at this festival for you randall and for you jake as well this is a festival with a lot of uh, history. It's been ongoing for many uh, decades, and there's been a lot of famed filmmakers who have come and made appearances. I believe Lino Bracca uh, uh, appeared at one point in, early in its days. So it's like, wow, this is you know a part of history. So it's really an honor to be able to pre- premiere the movie at this specific festival, and it feels like it's the right one to appear at. And it's it's wonderful to appear beside these these films like Lumpia with a Vengeance and uh, Fabulous Filipino Brothers, and also The Girl Who Left Home. These 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 Filipino films that are all sort of coming out in this, this group. So yeah, it's it's just really amazing. Yeah, that's great. What about you, Jake? I'll tell you. Uh, yes, you know when when Randall was speaking about the drought, and then during this whole two years that just passed. Of, of of drought and feelings, a sense of loss and the industry, the film industry and, and, and the arts had to come to a halt. Coming into September 2021, uh, when we are rooting for the world to move on and <laughs> and Randall giving me, uh, you know, Randall is really full of surprises. He has a lot of things in his in. <laughs> On his in his belt on his belt or you know with and uh, he just said that uh, we were premiering in LA uh, Asian Pacific Film Festival for you know this is their 37th year so being being included in in this community which is inclusive I mean uh, uh, in my experience when you think about you know this in the uh, Venice Film Festival recently, a Filipino actor just won genre Celia of Metro Manila as well won, and he won the best actor against Hollywood actors. And I said, you know, you have to really think, rethink that, you know, you have to be for our film to be included in this community, a specific community, and including films that had been shot in the Philippines and in all, in all the Asian Pacific region and just hearing our voices and being have, grabbing our seat and table. And it's, it's just a wonderful, uh, let's say, jumpstart for, 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 uh, for September and, and the future. So we're very honored that uh, you've, you know, for for the guys who included uh, Randall's films and all the other films that are represented. I'm just very happy that uh, I'm able to experience this in person as well, because I will be there on October 1st and I'll be meeting the crew and, you know, just gearing towards the new world. Yes. That's great. That's amazing. No, that's cool. So I think we 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 touched on the representation briefly, right? You know, the film festival gave opportunities to so many films, including so many Filipino films. But I know that there's still what we hear from a lot of people, especially from the BIPOC community, Filipino Americans in entertainment, is that while it's improving, we still need to see more representation. 
So maybe what are your thoughts on that when it comes to increasing Filipino representation in the entertainment world? What are the things that we can do to even increase it even better, I guess? So I'll start with Randall and then Jake as well. Well, of course, uh, in, the, in the name of, uh, of inclusion, of course, we're you know doing our part is essentially what I'm hoping that we're doing with a movie like this. And I hope that there are others you know, in similar positions to mine, other Filipino filmmakers who also sort of take the risk and take the charge because I kind of think that this is sort of what needs to happen. I think there needs to be the voices behind the camera, the writers and directors and the, the writer directors who sort of lead that forward because in some ways, uh, uh, of course, you can always take the works of other people and sort of colorblind cast them and try to get inclusion sort of rolling in that way. But really the way to get inclusion to to come and to stick and to be there to stay is to make sure that the voices behind the camera writing the words are are also diverse. Yep, definitely. Diversity, representation behind the scenes as well. So that's great, great point, Randall. And you're doing it because you're writing you know, as well. So Jake, what about you? What are your thoughts? Oh, we could have this discussion the whole day. <laughs> Also in the Asian community, I think uh, minorities like Filipinos, we need to be able to, I think you really have to think of the global community and what's really happening globally. It could be very isolated in, in the West, in Hollywood, because they have Asian Americans and a few Filipino actors who are, I guess because it's LA as in, in general is it's just concentrated on its reach, but by having these uh, festivals and and having these representations, you you are heard and you are seen. So I'm just hoping that you, it doesn't only concentrate on what's happening beside your neighborhood, <laughs> but uh, what's happening globally. The, you know, stories from that are mis that are underrepresented, stories that have never been heard. I think we need to really be inclusive in terms of the new world that we're in. We know that there's a huge market clamoring for different faces, clamoring for different voices. And if you see a movie that's just representative of just one community that you've experienced all your life, you say, this is the old world. We need to hear different voices. We need to see different colors. And that's my wish. And this is one way is to have these conversations, you know, uncomfortable uh, conversations so that uh, we can move forward. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's important to your point, you know, have the conversations and then use the power of storytelling and entertainment to also represent those voices. Yeah, it's it's very easy to get into the buzzwords of what's important now, but the, the hard work within that, I mean... Even before the Asian Revolution, Randall was already doing it in Beliran, and you know we 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 just wanted to make a film that could represent the Filipinos that set in the Philippines, inspired by the Philippines, and with American crew and actors, just getting it all together. It's that's what we should. That's where we should move. Yep. When we were speaking about setting this up and when I heard about the film making it on the festival, it actually was amazing to really see that because it represents a story that are based on characters in the Philippines. 
it's it's a contribution to what we're also seeing here based on diaspora stories, you know, Filipino Americans in America and in the international stage. So I think to Jake's point, it's seeing different stories as well, presenting it to our global audience out there. Yeah, I, I think that I think the important thing there, Mike, is that uh, I, I I wrote this specifically because I really want to touch on this is that to avoid uh, cliche and stereotypes, they have to be able to consider, you know, moving forward with people from different parts of the world because it it, it represents a bigger stage, a, bi- a bigger uh, painting, a, a mural of some sorts, or a, a bigger. Yeah, a bigger picture. So that's uh, that's something very exciting. Yeah, it is. And there's so much more opportunities to bring more stories as well in the future, which I'm sure we'll see more from both of you, Randall and, and Jake. So let me ask you some fun questions, I guess, before I get to some of the final set of questions. So the subject of the film is based on Filipino mythology, mythological characters. So first question is, do you believe in these creatures? Do you think they're real? And which ones do you think are real? Oh, uh, well, uh, for, I'm, I'm a very sort of pragmatic sort of uh, uh, person. And, uh, you know, I, in, in some ways, I really only believe what's uh, in front of my eyes. Uh, unless, of course, it's a metaphor, then I, then I believe it very much. And that's, that's what... That's how I see the monsters in this film. That's how I, I the monsters are a, a message. They are an idea. And, you know, ideas are not something that you can see and are not sort of something you can touch, but they are very much real because we are, in fact, all minds inside of bodies. So anything we can conceive of in its own way becomes real. So I wouldn't say that I literally uh, believe in these monsters, but, you know, in, in a way to, to make a movie about them, to make a movie about about creatures and so on, you you have to have some amount of sort of you have to think them through and believe what you can, believe what you can convince yourself of, and sort of find yourself on a on a on a path to that. Yeah, and that's spoken like a true artist about the metaphors of the creatures. What about you, Jake? Uh, it's it's different uh, uh, being brought up in the Philippines uh, in in the seventies. You know, we hear from our kasambahay or our housemaid about stories. They come from s- small islands in the Philippines and come to Manila for work. And you sort of like, you know, hear these stories and you, you imagine as a kid what they are. But uh, in my when I became older, of course, I was able to discern which one is true and not. But I do believe, I do believe in the spirit world in terms of everybody has, when you die, there's an energy that you leave. And if you nourish that energy, it's sort of like it manifests. So what I'm trying to say is if you live in Leyte or in Beliran, and I'm sure that's how Randall was able to get this idea is because a lot of townsfolk from there would he would would tell about stories about then 1970s and 60s and how it was before and you know folklores that 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 you know you hear from the townspeople and if you propagate that energy that energy manifests whether it will be a form of, I don't know, it will be in the form of something, but the energy is energy and it is alive. Yeah, no, I definitely, I get what you're saying. Everyone subscribes to the idea and so it creates that kind of feeling in the atmosphere that it's there and it's real. 
But thank you for indulging my question about that. So what do you what kind of creatures do you find the scariest? I mean, aside from the metaphorical <laughs> creatures, Randall, that ruined the world <laughs> in that sense. But yeah, I'm just curious to ask this follow-up question to both of you. Oh well, I mean, I think I think I'm gonna have to try and twist the question a little bit for myself. The, I mean, like I said, the monsters are often metaphors in, in my movie, and you know, often essentially what they represent are people and other types of people. And we have all the monsters we could ever hope to ask for right here in the human race. We don't we don't need to add to their numbers really. We have plenty, and and they they can be found quite easily. I, I know you were asking sort of what are the monsters that most scare. Me and I, I tend not to really be scared of monsters, but what I am is delighted by monsters. And one type of monster that I really uh, love, and which is connected in a way to this film, are the the kaiju monsters, the Godzilla and the Gamera, and the the large scale monsters, which I unfortunately was not able to do in this movie. But who knows? Maybe someday. But but that that whole I've been obsessed all my life with those those movies. Those were the first ones that I really grew to love were the Godzilla movies. And that sort of helped me to come along with this idea of you know these monsters, these ima- very imaginatively uh, created uh, creatures. Wow, that was a great answer, Randall. Thank you. Jake, what about you? Yeah. We have to take note, though. So this this uh, this film is the CGI here. The the uh, you know uh, with with Randall's CGI skills and uh, Jackie Holden's uh, makeup with prosthetics, it brought the film in a different level to a different level. And you know you have to be able to appreciate the work behind these uh, these uh, presentations. And I'm very excited. Going back to your question, I just had needed to say that, that, you know, it took years to develop this, but you can see the work and the energy that these guys brought to the film. You know, when I was a kid, I used to go through fields when fields were still available in, in like pockets of gardens in streets in, in Quezon City. And every time I walk through the field, you really have to say, uh, you know, tabi tabi po, which is, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're going to, go through or meet meet there in the field or in the bushes so you sort of like say hello i'm here in filipino it says tabi tabi po it's like uh, you, you know you're, you're crossing their path and it's something that you don't see so anything that you don't see is something that's very scary in general and obviously most often most often it is really the monsters that you create in your head <laughs> that is really scarier because uh, you create and nourish these things within. So those things manifest and that's in general very scary. That is so true. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Indeed. If I could, I'd like to jump in and continue what Jake was saying earlier about Jacqueline Holden, who's our makeup artist. And yeah, she was the one making the practical onset monsters, which probably the majority of the monsters we see in the movie are practical. It's somebody uh, in uh, a great deal of makeup and a lot of prosthetics and those things. And we essentially didn't have a movie until we had Jacqueline making, making the makeup. Um, I had met her 
uh, on the last day of filming for my previous feature. And she told me, you know, she was Filipino and sort of explained what she was able to do and showed me these pictures. And I kind of realized, you know, that combining what she was talking about, what she could actually do, and the, these monster ideas I had, like that right there was a movie because, you know, ideas of making a monster movie, that's that's all well and good. But until you can really make it real for people on screen, it's just no good. It's you don't really have anything at all. But what she was able to do was so convincing that even just being in the presence of these these makeup jobs uh, in real life, they were they were terrifying. And we had my uh, friend and one of the stars of the film, Andrew Riley. He plays three roles in the movie. Actually, he plays a human character, but then he plays two of the monsters. And he's very tall. I think he's uh, all seven foot tall. And he, he's very tall. So putting him in this makeup and this full body thing that caught, it's very intimidating. And he was extremely exciting to have on set. Like people, we had extras on the days that he was there and they would like back away from him in fear sometimes because it just seemed like you were in the presence of something, something uh, terrifying. Yeah. Method acting, right? <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought that up, Randall, because I saw some of the behind the scenes videos that, that's on YouTube. And I was really impressed with that, especially with the amount of makeup and the preparation and, and the work. It's just amazing to see that. It was hours of work, hours of like, he would have his call time to be on set and he'd have to come in the makeup chair, you know, four hours ahead of time. And they would just work and work and work on him. So he would have, you know, these little all the rest of us had like a normal length day, but he had eight hours on top of what we had. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So shout out to Jacqueline from your team as well, who did an amazing job. So I guess in terms of the film, Film Festival, LA, Asia Pacific Film Festival, how else can people support the film or, or just you individually in terms of your projects as well? Randall, let's start with you and then Jake. Well, of course, I guess the the best way to um, you know help out at this point is follow us on our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. Keep an eye out because we are hoping to appear at many more festivals in the future, and maybe there'll be one uh, nearby. We're you know especially hopeful and excited for whenever we get to premiere in the Philippines, which of course might be a ways off. I mean, that's that's the best way, and of course, if you. Uh, happen to have any connections with festivals or anything like that please you know let me know i'm you know we we have a website that we can be accessed by www.themonsterswithout.com mm -hmm. absolutely and i'll definitely include that in our promotional flyers as well so yeah what about you jake yeah uh, well, at this at this point uh, at this moment uh, people could support us by clicking on a link <laughs> and, and buying tickets for the October premiere, not only our film, but all the other films that are in the festival. But also at the same time, we we need to move forward in just promoting this and asking help from the community. We need these types of films or, or, or you know, we need to get the creative people supported so that they could create and inspire and just make more films and make life a little bit uh, comfortable in the coming years. So uh, we start by supporting the films here in then uh, these filmmakers. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that sounds good. So, so the final question, just to go back to our theme in celebration of Filipino Heritage Month. So I guess my question is, what does being a Filipino mean to you? 
Well, I mean, for me, you know, it's it's a complex question. It's a question I've sort of been asking myself uh, and answering in the form of my movies. Um, not to, you know, go too deep in for this question. But, you know, when I was younger and I was growing up, there wasn't anyone, aside from my mother, there wasn't anyone who was Filipino in the town that I grew up in. So I was very confused. So what, you know, what does that mean? What does Filipino mean? Am I, am I Mexican? And then I discover, in fact, no. And uh, in fact, I'm something else. And it took a long time before I really got to sort of come to Philippines and sort of uh, connect uh, with the land and with the place and with the with the people. And, you know, it's even been in only the most recent years as I start to work on films like Lumpia and so on, that I really kind of have connected with the Filipino-American community. I, I've sort of lived in, in a bubble for a long time, but, you know, the years that I have spent uh, in the Philippines has, has given me a big sort of connection with the place that I'm, you know, I'm still trying to suss out exactly what it means, what it means to me. But it's it's something to do with, you know, a place that is, that's a lot older than where I come from, a lot older than the United States, with a lot more history, and with that history, a lot more complexity. And, uh, you know, that's a beautiful thing in its way. And uh, it's an amazing place. And uh, its resilience and its courage uh, is, you know, inspiring. Yeah, those are all great thoughts, Randall. And I love your comment about connecting the country and, and really using the platform that you have making films as a way to express that. So, Jake, what about you? Being born in the Philippines, I've never really had to question my Filipino identity. I was just myself and, 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 and I knew I was Filipino. This is where I came from. I don't, I think that's the difference being, being uh, if you're brought up in the Philippines and if you have uh, Filipino parents, either a parent or, or, or a couple that moved to America or your second or, sec or second or third generation, Although I had experience when I lived in Germany doing uh, doing the play Miss Saigon in the 90s that I was able to, beca I became more nationalistic and I had to identify, I had to find an ID or ID myself in, in a foreign land. I guess I became more Filipino when I was, when I lived in Germany for, in Europe for about 10 years because being away, I needed to, I needed to connect to a community with a community with the Filipino community. I needed to eat Filipino food because I, I I was missing it. I needed to sing Filipino songs. I need I needed to support Filipina aunties and titas and titos and join their eating spree in somewhere in in Germany. But going back to that question, uh, it's not just about my identity. It's, it's not just the country itself. But, you know, sometimes it could go extreme in trying to find I'm a Filipino and you're not Filipino. It's, it's really more about, you know, the, you know, how we are in the world, in a global space where we need to be able to just say where we need where we don't need labels. I'm not dissing my Filipino identity. I have my identity and I carry that with me wherever, whatever choices I make. But I'm dreaming more of a world where, you know, labels and, and things and borders do not matter anymore. Yes. 
Definitely. We have to get to that point of really just seeing us as people and get away with labels. Yeah, because it could be very inclusive, as you know that, because this is us, that's you. And and then, and I think the way to move forward with, this, with these uh, questions and is to really just say that we're really all the same. <laughs> <laughs> we're all the same. We're all the same. Now that is a good that is a good point, Jake, and also a good way to end our conversation with that message of finding a commonality within ourselves, within each other, right? So I do want to thank both of you for grazing the podcast with your presence. I'm here to support you. Would love to support you. So best of luck to both of you for all the projects and thank you once again for being here. <laughs>